Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Beach is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right, what's going on? Welcome to Cannell and Bell, the day after Memorial Day. Right. Summer is officially here. How you feeling? I think everybody's dragging a little bit this morning, right? I mean, everybody's a little bit slow. Like, I had a good time. Like, we went out a couple different nights. Right. Like, just, it was like family kid stuff. But, you know, just even last night was tough getting the kids to bed. So we were up late. I'm just, Whole house was dragging. Everybody's dragging. Yeah. Why do they go back to school after Memorial Day? That's a great question. They really no should. School, I think, used to be starts Labor Day, ends Memorial Day. Right. And that's the official kickoffs of summer. Now you go past... Memorial Day, and you start way before Labor Day. Like, I don't know what they're doing with these kids. Uh, but in any case, we are here. We did have off the day, uh, yesterday, which was yeah, kind of nice. Great. But we got a monster show to get to. Uh, we had the NBA finals are set now that the Raptors, uh, knocked off the Bucks. We got some NHL hockey talk with our boy Pete Blackburn as the Bruins are up 1-0 on the Blues. It was a, fa- a fun game. But the highlight of the weekend was the Knight Riders Elite and a game winner. Let's get right to the highlights right now because this is there's okay, somebody counting out. Lyric Sarton. Yep. Dishing it off. The nice Scott on the oh, oh. nine seconds left. Bang. Boom! Game hey. winner. And there's Rajah. Preserved. Just, yeah, exactly. Been there, done that. Been there and done that. Yeah. The one fist there. So who was the kid that hit the winning shot? Uh, Zanai Scott. He's oh, like, a nice little spin yeah, move. he's tough, man. Tough lefty kid. So the backstory there is the yep. team we played, CBF's got like Carlos Boozer's kids on the team and you used to have Ray Allen's son on the team and they are a top 10 team in the country like we are. And they hopped in our, our own tournament, like Ooh. hunting us, oh, right? So they this wanted was championship. Some. It was packed. Everyone wanted to see it. We missed the front end of a one and one. They hit a big three with nine seconds to go to tie it. And that, and that was the game winner you saw. Next, next time we have to, uh, send a full camera crew, like, oh, dude, yeah, come out, so we yes, come break it down. That. Um, they're going to need to be some bleeps while I'm over there, like on the bench there. You got to bleep some of that out. Who was the leading scorer in the game? Diabelle was the That's leading scorer. That's right. My, yes, my he was at 12. Yeah, he had 12 big points, but better than that, he played great defense and really handled like him and Lyric, the kid that dished that ball, really controlled the tempo. So it was a nice. good win for us. Yeah. I love it. Put, <laughs> taking the emphasis off the points. That. Well like done. That. Well done. That's right. You know what's funny is I was asking Coca how to say the name of your team because yeah. if you look at it like that I was like is it Nitradas I said I could not and then he texted Nitradas. and it's Night Riders and I, I was like because I could not think in Instagram I've looked at it for a while I'm like what the heck is that name and so, I'm like no so now it makes sense Night Riders the program itself it's a Nike program has something like Scotty Barnes and like Greg oh they, they all come through there they play for him now the Team USA team and Dudley Blackwell Isaiah Todd like you're talking about kids that are that are top 25 in the country. So it's a pretty good loaded program. We're, we're, we're lucky to be a part of it. Nice. Yeah. I love the fist pump. Been there and done that. Just no emotion. Just a little right. bit, you know, Hey, we, we, we expect this to happen. Right. I love it. Right. Uh, I have a pretty interesting story, but I think yeah. maybe we save it for later because we got to do some sports because I, uh, caddied for my daughter. It was a pretty fun weekend. We'll get to that later though. Cause right. I think we'll have some story time at the end of the show, but. Uh, we have the Raptors. They advance to the NBA Finals, and a lot of speculation is starting to swirl around Kawhi Leonard. As it's had, uh, it's been that way for the past year almost, right. even since he went to Toronto and the Spurs traded him there. Is is he going to stay there? Kawhi Leonard is very soft spoken. Doesn't I, I don't know shy. I don't know what the term is, but he just doesn't give you a lot of of himself, which is I'm right. totally okay with. It's not in his personality. We've talked about him being, you know, unemotional and sometimes it's like to the detriment of the team sometimes. Didn't affect them in the series. But his uncle has come out and spoken for the first time. And he had some really interesting quotes when he talked with uh Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports. Um 
He was asked uh, about the uh, separation of the trade from San Antonio because we talked about it a lot. Hey, is he is he playing up this injury? What's going on? So his uncle uh, said, I think it just became a lack of trust. They didn't believe Kawhi couldn't play, and that caused a lack of trust in us and then us not believing in them. Anytime a player says he's not capable of playing, you should believe him. Why would Kawhi just stop playing all of a sudden? He's a competitor. Sometimes you get these team doctors telling you what you can and cannot do, and Kawhi was just in too much pain to get out there. This was a serious issue. They didn't believe him, and after that, the relationship couldn't recover, and we decided we had to move on. Totally agree with him on all of this. The only thing in where I turned, because I remember getting on Kawhi right. saying he's got to go out there and play because he did see other doctors, but when I heard that his teammates – we're calling him and setting him aside in the locker room and saying, hey, man, we need you. I felt like they would have more information. And if they felt comfortable getting him to play, that maybe Kawhi was sitting out and trying to force the issue. Right. But when you hear this, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Why, If you if that trust is broken, it's really hard to just make, forget about that. Right. Well, I mean, typically, you know, I, team doctors – while you would think they're there to protect the player. Easy, that's, that's, easy on the team doctors. No, 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 no. I mean, but like, you know, some are really good that's and they, and they do, um, balance out protecting the player and doing what's in the best interest in the team. Some just aren't like in any walk of life. Not everyone is as good or as, as ethical as the next guy. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would think that there wasn't a broken trust between Kawhi his camp and the team just because a doctor for the team wanted you to play. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you might not like that. That doesn't break your trust. When you talk about his teammates coming out um, and speaking up to, to, to the fact that he should be playing, I think that's where the tr trust breaks because what I believe to have happened and I wasn't there was their organization and their team doctors were giving bad information to his teammates so you say they should have had the information. Mm -hmm. Well, they did. They had the wrong information. They were getting the information fed to them by people with an agenda, that being the Spurs organization and the Spurs team doctors, right? They weren't getting the information, I don't believe, that Kawhi was getting from all these second and third opinions, right? So their information was heavily skewed towards the Spurs point of view, which is like, look, we need him to play. Yeah, he might be in pain, but we're chasing a championship. And Kawhi's information from those other doctors could have been, you know, uh, contrary to that. So right. I think when he started hearing his teammates speak out, um, and it became obvious that their information was being uh, relayed to them through the team, that's where that trust was broken, and that's where it was irreparable. They couldn't get back on the same page. I like to think, my full disclosure, my dad was a team doctor for the Miami Dolphins for 20 years. He's still with the, uh, the Miami Marlins. Um, I think he's a good doctor. Like I've talked to a lot of players who were on the Dolphins with him. They said, hey, he was good. He took care of him. My dad always prided himself in a team being like player first. Right. I mean, my dad tells me legendary stories about Don Shula would get on him and say, no, I need this guy to play. And my dad was like, no, he can't. Right. He cannot play. He would stick up for the players. But like my dad, even though he had confidence in his abilities, if there was a player that felt he needed a second opinion, my dad would always say, well, go get two or three. The more voices, the better, and Absolutely. we can all get on the same page. I think the thing that's unique about this injury specifically, when you're talking about a quad, it is kind of unique. And you don't know exactly what a pain threshold is, and sometimes it might look like it's getting better. Um, I should really get my dad on here to talk about yeah, it sometime. You know, just to kind of see about how that kind of miscommunication can start happening. I know from a from a standpoint of just being a player in the locker room, and we've talked about this, you don't want to be that guy who – 
And if it's not a torn ACL or a separated shoulder that you had surgically repaired, sometimes guys can look at you sideways. And they might even like you, but you're like, all right, dude, you've been out like trying to get this thing. You've been resting for so so long. It's time to go. But you don't, you're not in his body. And it's just, it's hard to judge that. It really, that's a really interesting dynamic in a locker room between players, between, uh, staff and players. And, you know, what I would say to that is usually that guy, the guy that's going to milk something has a history of doing it. Right. Right. So like if you're Kawhi and you're saying I'm hurt and you've given that organization and your teammates no indication that that's who you are as a player, you've never really milked an injury. You've never missed extensive time for any reason. Um, and you're telling them, Hey man, I'm hurt. I can't play. And their reluctance to believe that could be a real deal breaker. Right. So right. again, yes, there are dudes who, you know, you'll sit around and you will not give them the benefit of the doubt, uh, uh, for having this injury because you know, then anytime he's got a little tweak, it costs him three weeks. Right. Kawhi wasn't one of those guys to begin with. So if he's not out there rolling it out and he's telling you, man, I just feel funky. Things aren't, things aren't good. Um, you, you got to trust him, right? Like that, it, that's the face of your franchise going forward. You, you got to have patience with that and, and trust that he knows his body and those doctors are giving him good information. So I, there are plenty of guys like that. They'll let you know, though. It's not going to be a one-time thing. This guy will milk every little injury he has, and I don't believe Kawhi was that. And I think you've seen that on display in this playoff series. I mean, he's yeah, he rested a lot this season, but he has put it all on the line. There have been times where we've seen him limping around, and even the Raptors are saying there's still lingering effects from that injury that he's playing through through the playoffs. Right. So I think you see the type of mentality that's there. Speaking of Toronto, I remember in my mind thinking, man, the Spurs just sent him – to like Siberia from a California kid, like you sent him to Toronto, you got Canadian taxes, it's a different issue. Now Toronto's a great city. Sure. But I don't know how many guys are lining up to go play there. So I felt like the Spurs might have done that to kind of spite him a little bit. And maybe now Kawhi's getting his revenge. But his uncle, again in this article, talked about it and said Kawhi didn't love the idea when he when it was originally presented to him. Right. Uh quote, when you were initially traded somewhere, you didn't ask to be, you don't want to accept it. But once you get through that period, the focus then turns to giving your all and performing at a high level. It never had anything to do with the city of Toronto. It wasn't. Toronto's a beautiful city. Kawhi has often spoke highly of Toronto. It's a beautiful place. That was just an initial reaction, which is normal. But we're enjoying this run and looking forward to the finals. I think he's bouncing from Toronto no matter what. <laughs> I mean, that's what it sounds like to well, me. Yeah, I, I mean, that's one of those things like you say, yeah, she was a great girl and she was, she was all that she was cracked up to be. It just didn't work out. Right, right, right. You know? Um, this is all that he can do, the uncle in this space, right? Like, right. you talk about Toronto and having been traded, um, Oof. it's not personal. Like, sometimes the city, like, I remember, so I work for the Cavs, right? Yep. And I've talked about these, like, these reports that, that they, that people do on, on opposing players, anyone who might be in the pool of people that you would trade for, right? So someone did a report on me and they'll talk to employees from different teams. So they talked to this employee from Charlotte. Now they were supposed to scrub my own, my own bio when I took the job with the Cavs. So I couldn't read my own Intel report, right? but I needed to get familiar with the system. Right. There I was. <laughs> so I looked at it. Um, this employee for Charlotte had crossed paths with me right when I got off the plane, apparently. And they called me a jerk and they called me an a-hole and they said I had a terrible attitude. Um, I just got traded. You know what I mean? Like I had 24 hours to pick up my whole life, tell my wife bye with two little tiny kids and report to Charlotte. I wasn't happy to be in Charlotte at that point. Now, after three or four days, a week and a half, once I start settling in and my mind got wrapped around the fact that I got new teammates, this is a good opportunity. I've now got a place to live. I can send for my family. I'm in a different space. I only say that to say like, 
any professional athlete when they get traded immediately is going to have some kind of a feeling about that. They're not, they're not going to be in the best space emotionally and might put, given the opportunity to have a, a, a microphone put in their face, say something that would be, it, paint their new situation in a negative light or the new destination that they're going just because that their, their emotions attached to that. You feel unwanted by someone. You know, you've been cast aside, uh, in your mind. Right. Do you remember or did you know who this person was? I did not. They didn't. So it's like totally like anonymous, which anonymous. This is a whole nother problem I have with these reports. Right. Is you never, you never know. And I cautioned our front office at the time. I said, look, you guys have to do better about understanding who you're getting information from and figuring out their relationship with the person that they're writing the information about because this is patently false. Like, you know what I mean? Like right. what, what the rest of it went on to say, it was clear that whoever that person was, was not a fan of mine. Right. And I don't think that's fair to players. You know right. I mean? So the, the NFL, uh, the draft process just occurred. We just had the NFL draft and there was a couple reports where NFL teams would actually, as opposed to sending a car service to pick up a guy, bring in for the personal visit, they might send like an equipment manager. Oh yeah. Low on the totem pole. Sure. And then they want to see how does he interact with that guy. Yep. Are you okay with that? Yeah, absolutely. Cause I am too. Like I think in that situation, you do want to see how you treat people from top to bottom. You don't want somebody's going to be a total jerk to somebody, but I do think yours comes with the, the term of, Hey, you were in a really bad space, you know, and, yeah. and sometimes, now, sometimes people get in a bad mood. Yeah. Maybe you're sick, you know, like there's a lot of different things. I think you have to take all these reports with a grain of salt. Absolutely. If you're, if you listen now, if you are completely a disrespectful dude, and right. Meaning to the guy who comes to get you and you're acting as if, you know, but, but generally just like, you know, being not the friendliest person in the world and kind of being to yourself. What happens is when a team trades for you, this is the dynamic. They're excited as heck to get you. Yeah. And if you don't match that with the same level of excitement, there's a feeling. You know what I mean? Associated with that from their side. And it's like, dude, I, give me a couple of days, man. Like, and I was, after a couple of days, it was, I was exciting. You know, it was exciting to be there. There was a new opportunity. But in that moment, right. when I get off that plane and you're fired up to meet me and excited and I don't match that with the same level of excitement, I, you just have to understand who you're getting info from sometimes if, if you're in those, any front office, any sport. For sure. All right. So Kawhi Leonard uh, is moving on to the NBA Finals. going to take on the Warriors, this dynasty that we're watching unfold. He basically put the team on his back, both offensively and defensively, yeah. in the Eastern Conference Finals. Can he keep up this pace oh. and keep the Warriors in this thing? I was surprised. What do you, I don't, I'm sure you probably, you're not as into this as I am. What do you think the spread is? How much are the Warriors favored in game one? I'm curious to see what you think it is. Um, Remember Milwaukee was favored by six and a half, seven and a half, yeah. like in those first They're couple in games Toronto, in Milwaukee? Though. Right? In Toronto, though. Right? Toronto. I would say five. The Warriors are only favored by one and a half, or one even, which I think is telling you, because everybody's jumping on the Warriors saying, oh, they're, they're this dynasty, they're going to go win. I think the Raptors might get game one. Oh, like, I think wait. it's going to be close, but I, I was surprised. Uh, the Raptors are one point favorite. That's why I meant to say the Raptors are one point favorite. Right. Yeah. So I, I was surprised at that. I thought yeah, the Warriors, I, even them, because they're this great team, they would be the favorite, even the, though they were, were on the road. There were two teams all year that I felt, um, had a legitimate shot at, at beating Golden State. Legitimate. There were other teams I felt could be Golden State. There were two that I felt if they matched up, and they were the two that just played in the Eastern Conference Finals. Milwaukee. But for Toronto. different reasons. For different right? reasons. Purely for different reasons. Golden State has had a, like, very little success in containing Kawhi. They, they just, they, the year Kawhi got hurt when, um, when they stepped under his foot, I mean, he was yes. bananas. They yeah. were, the, the, the Spurs were up, I don't know, 25 points in the game and stuff. They, they just don't, really have an antidote for that. He counters a healthy Kevin Durant really well in terms of what he can do to him defensively. He's one of the guys that gives him a real headache. Their length and size with Siakam, Marc Gasol, even Ibaka. Um, now, they've been really inconsistent. 
this year. Like so, when they're consi- when they've been consistent, they've been good. When they're inconsistent, they'll be get, get beat by Golden State. Um, but they could beat them, not just in game one, right? The, the whole series. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna have to go to Toronto, which you know what that means. We're going to Toronto. No, no, no. Ah. Saying, like the series is the finals are right. going to Toronto, so we're gonna get a whole lot of Drake. Uh, a whole lot of Drake. Like, there's. Did you think he dialed back at all? I did. Yeah, I, I thought so. Especially yeah. in the first half, like he was ju- like demure, like it was very much subdued. Who talked to him? I think Adam Silver himself. You think so? I think so because I think Adam Silver probably called him and said, "Look, we love you. Mm-hmm. You're a great ambassador, not only for the Raptors but for the NBA." Him. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna pump him up yeah. and then say, "But we have to be careful because there are other celebrities that." White might start thinking they can get away with right. this, and we don't want something unfortunate to unfold. And that's that's the conversation you have. Perfect. And then he goes back. But in the NBA Finals, if it's getting close, fourth quarter, Draymond's yapping back and forth with him. That's going to be interesting. Because Draymond will. That's Draymond's gonna not going to just let right. that go. And so that's what's going to be interesting. KD I'm calling this. too. KD yeah. I don't even know if he'll be there, but they, they right. have multiple dudes who would go over there and chirp at. Uh, I mean, even Steph will. Steph will be Steph will be shooting threes and while they're in the air looking at Drake. Did you guys? Did you guys know that? That Drake has a tattoo of Kevin Durant and Steph Curry's name and number on him. I was not aware of this. You're not joking. You're serious. No, these are serious things. But here's the other thing: is that doesn't doesn't the practice isn't the practice facility the OVO center? It too? is. It is the it OVO. Is. What do you? We need to rewind that, bro. Yeah. How We're talking about? He's got he a, really does. Uh, uh, why tattoo of Kevin Durant? He's just fans. Yeah, it's like the numbers. It's like in like the little basketball. It says like 35. Durant. Like, so he's got to be he's just a weird torn. Dude. He's torn. What does he do? I don't know because he probably hopped all over the Warriors bandwagon when they were winning. They probably thought the Raptors were a long time away oh, from that. It's tough. You know what he does? He cheers with the Raptors and then they all go out and party he after parties the game. With the- <laughs> <laughs> and they have a good time no matter who wins, right. which I'm kind of jealous. Uh, next year, maybe we'll get out to the NBA Finals. We'll take the show on the road. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. All right, welcome back to Kennell and Bell, hanging out here Tuesday after uh, Memorial Day. Uh, talking about the NBA Finals. So we just were talking about Kawhi and the Raptors' chances to uh, to get this thing done, to pull off the upset. The Warrior side, so KD definitely out for one. I think it's going to be a shock if he comes back at all for the NBA Finals. Right. And you're talking maybe game six and seven, even yep. if then it might be a shock. Boogie, on the other hand, listed as questionable. So now he's on the report. Instead of out, he's listed as questionable. But I think it's a sign of optimism. Uh, I do think it's going to be interesting to see if he does come back, what do you get out of him? Absolutely. And what impact does that, does it have on this team that's really been playing kind of, they've been there, it's just like, I know it's a kind of a cliche word, but like chemistry. Flow. Ball, yeah, it just Their looks good. really good, yeah, good right flow. now yep. that, you know, is it almost where you just kind of put him in spot time just to keep the other team honest, make sure they have to study some more film of it? Um, but it, it does feel like, so we talked about Kawhi putting the team on his back versus Milwaukee. He's obviously going to have to do that again. Will this have to be Steph's 
finals in order for them to get this uh, the next championship? Yeah, it, Steph has to have a MVP type of um, performance in the finals. Um, Clay can't be far behind him. You just you you don't have a lot of other guys that are going to be able to get you huge point totals. So they're not going to be able to have. There's not a lot of room for uh, or margin for error with those two. Um, and they've got to. They've got look. They've got to get up and down. They have to play at a pace where Kawhi and, and company can't get their hands on you. Toronto's been. I don't know what the stats say, but eyeball test says they've been one of the best defensive teams in the playoffs this year. If that thing grinds to a halt, they're in trouble. And that would be the scenario under which Boogie Cousins could be valuable to them. Mm-hmm. Because I agree with you, and I said it last week. Like I. Introducing him into that flow that they've got going on right now could just throw it all out of whack. So you don't you don't want to force him back in, right? You you ha- you need, clearly need another big body. So there got to be some minutes there for him. Um, but you don't want to force him back in and ruin that flow. Now, if they grind you to a halt, and that game doesn't have a true flow to it, then you might be able to get Boogie a couple possessions in the half court where he touches the ball and you can see if he can go to work. The problem was he wasn't doing great. Like it, it wasn't like he was his normal self offensively with the coming back from the Achilles and now with the quad, I don't know how much he's got, but in that space, he might be valuable. So in the NFL, when you have home field advantage, it's crowd noise. Like it's hard to communicate. There's some of that. I think I do think that's a very real issue. What's the biggest issue playing on the road in the NBA? Like, cause I, I mean, our communication obviously is somewhat important, but I don't like it's not like uh, crowd noise becomes an issue. I don't think that that's a big issue. Um, depth perception of shooting, like, is that where you could see it impacting the some Flash arenas? Brothers? But, but I don't, I don't know that Toronto's arena is that funky. Most of them are pretty uniform. It used to be when you went to like San Antonio and played in the Alamo Dome, like that was a real issue because it just kept going. Right. Um, they don't really have many of those, of those cavernous places anymore. You know, I, I think it's just, you know, a lot of guys today have chefs. You know, they have real. Right regimented routines that they go through specialized beds home, beds <laughs> massages like you know access to cry- cryo chambers and, and 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 therapy at home uh and when you're on the road for two games that's a what four or five days where you don't have access to that uh and so your routine and the lead up to the your prep for games becomes affected uh, more than anything the games are you know the games are the same yes there's crowd noise i, I think the, the the crowd noise and the home court affects refereeing which could then affect you as the road team uh, but more, you know, more importantly, I think it's the lead up to all the stuff that you're able to do at home that keeps you comfortable in, in, in your routine that you don't get a chance to do on the road. So, uh, Nick Nurse, head coach of the Toronto Raptors, did a fantastic job against the Bucks, kind of coming out after going 2-0. Everybody and their brother was like, oh, this series is going to get ugly. He comes out, makes him a couple adjustments. What can he do to adjust to the Warrior style? Um, yeah. is it slow the game down? Is that? Clearly, they pay him a lot more to do that job than I, that I don't get paid anything to do that job. So <laughs> right. he would know better than me, Danny. But I guess since you're asking me, um, look, what they have to do, in my opinion, is be selective about their shots. If you get into a shoot 'em up, bang bang, shoot the first shot available to you type of game with Golden State, that's how they get up and down. That's how those dudes get open looks, especially their role players. That's how they get involved out on the break, and you get Jordan Bell with eight points and. And, um, you know, Fonzo McKinney with 10 points on, on layups and dunks. If you're Toronto, you got to get down. If it's not a layup in transition, uh, uh or, or like a wide open three, we're not going to shoot it. We're going to, we're going to run this clock down. We're going to shoot in the last, I don't know, eight to 10 seconds of shot clock if we can. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of ISO for Kawhi. It'll be ISO heavy, which slows the game down. Um, 
And then you got to pick your poison if you're Nick Nurse defensively. Are you going to take away as many threes as you can? Or are you going to pack the paint and dare him to beat you from, from deep? Obviously, with, with Toronto, I mean, with Milwaukee, they rolled the dice on what was one of the best shooting three-point teams in the league for the year. And it paid dividends because they still shot okay. They didn't shoot great. Uh, but they weren't able to supplement with all that stuff inside that, that Kawhi and the, uh, uh, I mean, Giannis and those guys got. Steph and those dudes beat a lot of teams this year by not out shooting them at the three point line, by getting into the paint and, and finishing around the rim. So that'll be an interesting thing to see what Nick decides to do, whether he takes the paint away or tries to defend the three point line. So he knocked out Giannis, uh, who's going to be an MVP candidate. Yeah. Uh, were you, I was, I was curious to know this before we kind of get to their future. After the game, he was at the podium. They just get bounced. Their season's over. Malika Andrews from ESPN. There was some speculation about the timing of her report. Is that why he walked up? But in any case, he abruptly left the press conference. Did you have an issue with that? I didn't see it. But so, I know what happened. But yeah, yeah. He I basically do, I, got up and like yes. he didn't answer a question, walked out. Who knows? I don't know how long I he do. was up there for. You do have a problem, problem with, it. with it. It's your job, dude. Sit up there and, you know, answer the questions. Yeah, I, I get that you're, you're pissed and you have a right to be pissed if you, you know, if, if you want to have some snarky comments or you want to, you like, I'm okay with that, but you can't get up and leave. People have a job to do, you know? And yeah. I believe, you know, I talked about Joel Embiid and some of his stuff. Like Giannis will learn from that or hopefully Giannis will learn. If you want to be the face of the front, the face of the NBA, which, you know, he's close to being now, like the NBA is clearly, you know, had this campaign. It's Giannis. You know what I mean? Yeah. Freak freak. Uh, if you want to do that, then there's a, there's a responsibility that comes along with that. And you got to sit your butt up there at a press conference and do your job, do your job. Yeah. I get, it. I mean, I remember getting on Cam Newton when he, uh, you know, the Super Bowl when they lost and he was kind of rude and just, you understand it. Yeah. The, the want to get up and leave, but right. you got to do your job. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess like if I was teaching my kids or I was yeah. talking to a young athlete, I'd be like, Hey, it is part of your responsibility. They have a job to do sure. all that stuff, but did you get how, you could be and at like is it a competitive thing? And obviously, like he's devastated, he's pissed, yeah. all this type of stuff is going through him, but you kinda have to get up there and do it. Sure. And he did sure. talk after the next day, like he's he took a breather and was able to do it. I don't know. I sometimes I think we get we we overreact to stories like this and yeah. say, Oh my gosh, is he a bad guy or whatever? No, he just made a mistake. He made a mistake. I'm yeah. not trying to be judging McJudgerson or anything, right? Like you everyone makes mistakes. I've made plenty of them. You just learn from that and, and, and understand that that's part of the responsibility that comes along with this platform that you've been that you've earned. Right. You know? And Malik Andrews, who asked the question, was also the one who wrote this article. There was some speculation. Was that why he was ticked off and caused yeah. him to leave? In the article, uh it was mentioned that uh one of the requirements that Giannis uh was going to require in like his decision if, as far as does he stay or not was a tw uh, trip to the finals yep. would be a big factor on whether he stays or not. Obviously he qualified for the five year, $247.3 million super max extension by uh, getting that all NBA honors from this past season for the second consecutive season. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't I think he's staying. He feels to me like a guy that's not into the markets as much. Maybe it's because he's not from here, right? but you're close. I don't know. I don't, do you, uh, I don't really have a feel for this. All I will say is you have no one to blame if you're Giannis for not getting to the finals but yourself. <laughs> right. You were fantastic all year long. The team was phenomenal, but you came up short in the in this in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um yeah, you can make a case that maybe Chris Middleton didn't play well, or you know, you could throw out Eric Bledsoe didn't have his greatest game. But do you think that's fair though? Because even LeBron, when he was running to the Eastern Conference Finals, he had better teams around him, don't you think? 
Um, no. When when with when, Kevin Love, I'm, I'm talking. You're talking about early. I'm talking about early when yeah, he was yeah. like a rook in his second <laughs> yeah, that, year. That squad was awful. Brutus Ogaskis, <laughs> Andrew Verge, Anderson Vergeau, and like <laughs> no. And and so, but look again. If if LeBron's teams fell short, you don't get to blame anyone else. You're the guy. So you know if he should leave because he didn't make the finals with this group. You know, I, I would change opinion on Giannis because it's, that's your responsibility. And I'm not, I'm not blaming you, um, because I think you're young and you'll, you needed this. Like you'll learn from this. You'll right. get, uh, you'll go back to the drawing board. You'll round your game out. They will not be able to pack the paint against you or hopefully they won't be able to do that and stymie you next year like they did this year. But I just, you don't get to blame other people. This isn't, this wasn't the organization that failed. This was this was your failure as the best player in the league. Right. You have to own that. If you're going to be the best player going forward, you have to own that and then go back to the drawing board. And I actually love the way he's saying it. He's saying we have the squad that I want to move forward Good. with. He's talking about the uh, the players on his team, guys like Chris Middleton, uh, Lopez, Malcolm Brogdon. He wants all those guys back with him. Uh, wants all the free agents back. Wants his teammates back because he feels like they're doing something special. They could get there. How close they were. Yeah, I think they need to tweak some of that stuff. But I mean, yeah, I, I understand he, what you're from saying. From his standpoint, yes. yeah, yeah, that's the you. you know, that's the general manager's job. Want? All them to go look at from that uh, standpoint where they can do there. In his exit interview, he was quoted, and this is so. This is after he's out of time to breathe and yep. relax and, and get his thoughts. Obviously, I want everybody back. Great freaking team. Unselfish players that play basketball the right way. They're winners. We had a great atmosphere. We didn't have no, I want to be polite. I don't want to say the A word, but we didn't have no buttheads. Obviously, I want everybody back. Um, so I thought he handled it really, uh, well. Do, the 247, this was interesting. I don't know if you were in the, uh, the room where we were doing our pre-show meeting. Mm-hmm. The $247 million Supermax extension that he qualified, five yep. years. It's close to a hundred million dollars more if he stays in Milwaukee than opposed if he goes and takes a deal somewhere else. Here's why I don't think that hundred million dollars matters because Nike, will make up that hundred million. You can't make up that hundred million. He can make it up through Nike or Adidas or oh, pick your shoe to me company. How you make up a hundred million dollars because if he's going to make a hundred and forty-seven million from somebody else, he can have Nike make him a hundred million dollar contract, and then he gets two hundred forty-seven million, so he's not missing out on that money. That that was terrible <laughs> explanation because if you make two hundred and forty-seven million dollars, you still get a hundred million dollars. No, but see, now you he might not get as much. <laughs> he might not. That's get not as affecting his Nike. Nike. Deal. Nike is not saying to him, "Okay, okay, dog." Well, look, what did we just say about Zion Williamson? Right? We said, uh, you know, Darren Mavell tweeted out, "Oh, it cost him a hundred million dollars that he's not in New York." So let's say the Knicks, like in a crazy world, are in play. You might take a hundred million less to play in New York because of the endorsements that would be there for you, where you could recoup some of that recoup some of that lost money. Do you want to? Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so you're saying. So then you're saying he's a lock to stay in Milwaukee because I remember how this was when Kev, Kevin Durant left uh, Oklahoma City. Similar situation. Yeah, I was like, hey, I, you love, might, I, I hear you because it's so I mean, much money. Well, it's a lot of bread. You know what I mean? Like he's gonna make a lot of money, and he can make even that much more in endorsements as opposed to playing in Milwaukee. With I think the he's the market. face of the fran- he's the face of the not the franchise, the face he of the is. league. Like, yeah. I, I mean, how much? I would be interested. It would be interesting. Like, can we get somebody from Nike on? Like, not to talk specifically about <laughs> like the honest, difference. But what? How much more is he worth to you? In New York than he is in Milwaukee. Right. Or if you are Giannis or KD, does it even matter? Right. Because like now all the other deals that may come along with that maybe, but just specifically to the A plus brands, how much more is, is he worth to you in, in New York? Here's my deal. 
247 versus 157. <laughs> right. No, if it's, if it's a blanket lock statement, that up, yeah. figure it out later. I agree. Demand the trade if after was, you I, lock up the 247. Bro. I agree. You're from Greece. You had to spend your whole first check. There, look, they said in his rookie year, because his family was in such a situation in Greece that he had to, uh, they saw him jogging, running to the arena. He had sent his whole check back to Greece, so he didn't have any money to like get a cab or anything like that. So he was really? his rookie year. So I mean, clearly he's come a long way since then. But if you got situations like that that you need to take care of, two forty seven goes a long way, <laughs> baby. Even I, I totally agree with you. If you were talking about the difference, one hundred right. playing in Milwaukee, you get a jet, fly anywhere you want on your off days. You can do anything you want. So uh, we'll obviously keep an eye on that in the next couple of years. Yeah. He has that decision to make. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. It's time for a little hockey talk. So we got to get our guy Pete Blackburn on here. He is, uh, done an outstanding job with this throughout the playoffs. Said that Boston was going to win this, uh, Stanley Cup. I was curious, how nervous were you with your prediction when the Blues go up 2-0 early in game one? Well, I wasn't nervous about my prediction. I was nervous as a Bruins fan. I actually predicted that the Blues were going to win game one. And so, uh, things didn't work out too well there for the betting side. But as a Bruins fan, I'm, I'm certainly happy. I was a little nervous in the first period though. They didn't look great after that long layoff. Um, so obviously the Blues came out a little hotter. Boston bounced back. What, what do you foresee being any issues for the Blues for the rest of the season? Like they, they should have gotten game one by all accounts. Well, I don't necessarily agree with with that. I, I think that they were pretty pretty terrible for the the second forty minutes. The, you know, they, their gap control was terrible. They got they had a thirty five minute stretch where they only got five shots on net. So uh, going into game two, their biggest thing is they need to go back to the drawing board offensively and find ways to put more pressure on uh, on Tuka Rask and on on the Bruins d- defense. I mean, Tuka Rask was basically reading a book and and uh, doing a crossword puzzle for the last forty minutes of that game. There was no pressure on him at all. And he said so after the fact, and that's pretty cocky uh, from from a goaltender to be like, well, I didn't do anything in that game. And but it's true. I mean, they put no pressure on. They they got to work on on uh, you know working their offense and establishing more zone time. And you know, I think another big part of their game going into game two is they're going to have to be way more disciplined. They took five penalties in that game, and the Bruins are a much better team than them on special teams. So uh, definitely need to be be smarter and don't let the Bruins get under your skin. All right, so we were talking uh, in the break before we had you on, and I was telling you about my bet last night in the game and my thinking behind it. I know nothing about hockey, but I did talk to a friend of mine who said he expected sloppy play, and in my mind, I was like, sloppy means a lot of goals. Like, it's just going to be bad defense, whatever the reason. But I was fascinated that you actually thought the weather could come into play outside an arena. Why, why, was, why did you think it was going to be a lower-scoring game? Yeah, I think sloppy play certainly can lead to, to more goals. And there were a lot of opportunities going both ways in the first period when both teams were sloppy. But I ended up bending the under because it was it was 90-plus degrees uh, in Boston on Sunday. And, and that ice in Boston gets can get, can get really bad. Even the Bruins players have, have complained about it um, this year. And, and so it has a bad reputation in the league. And especially after a day where it's hot, the ice can be really soft and mushy and, and really choppy. And the puck will bounce around all over the place, and that's really bad for for offensive games, obviously. So uh, I took the under five. Obviously, I lost, but uh, the I didn't hear too many complaints about the ice, which I guess is a good thing for this series. So I know you were bummed just because of the hockey layoff. Like, you want to see hockey all the time, and there was a long layoff. So the Bruins had 10 days off. The Blues had five days off. And that's why that's why a lot of people are expecting, you know, sloppy play. Do you have an issue with that? Like, should the NHL look at maybe trying to speed this thing off so you don't have this lull? 
Yeah, I think so. And I think the, 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 the solution there would be have a day or two be- between the, the games earlier or the rounds earlier in the playoffs. I mean, it was nonstop series after series, round after round through the first three rounds. And then, you know, the NHL has this target date that they want to hit for the Stanley Cup final. They want to get to at least mid-June. And so with the playoffs ending or the first three rounds ending pretty quickly, they ended up having to take this this big layoff to actually hit that target date. So give the guys a little bit more rest in the first three rounds and, and maybe give fans a day off rather than making them wait 10 days to watch their team play in the in the uh, in the Stanley Cup final. So I think, you know, certainly when you have two hot teams, which the Bruins and Blues were coming into the, the Stanley Cup final, you don't want that much rest uh, going into the final. All right, Pete, who do you have winning game two? Man, it's tough for me to pick against the Bruins based off of what I saw for that final 40 minutes. Uh, and, the, and you know, with them being at home as well, I think that's an advantage. The Blues are a good road team. But, man, it, the Bruins looked really good in that final 40 minutes, especially defensively. So I'm going to have to go with the Bruins in, in game two. All right, good stuff as always. Hey, as somebody who lived in the New England area for about five years, congrats on summer being there. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Enjoy that uh, nice warm weather, man. We'll get to you uh, next week. Uh, Good stuff as always from Pete Blackburn. I remember I was living in Connecticut, Mm -hmm. and I would go outside like in May, late May, like Memorial Day is around the corner, and I would seriously – doubt whether i would get to wear shorts ever again no i hear you i'd be like it's cold like it's dreary i'm like is the sun ever going to come out in that first day that it's like 90 you're yeah. you're just like outdoors all day long from sunrise to sunset and you're just out doing whatever you can outside i remember i went to bu i told this story before in in may right like your first i don't know 60 degree day yeah there was <laughs> it was like 60 degrees on bay state road there was like this strip of grass because bu is right in the middle of the city yep uh, and there was a strip of grass called BU Beach, and like all the girls would be out like in <laughs> right. the sun. It was sixty, 60 degrees. Was all it took. I was walking around in like a parka <laughs> with like ski boots. It was sixty. They were in their bathing suits. We had Landis Green in Tallahassee, yeah. and it could be January, and everybody's gonna be out yeah. there throwing frisbees, Great. yeah, drinking a couple yeah. beers. All right, good stuff there. Um, Ezekiel Elliott uh, had a little run in uh, over the weekend, and I think this is such an overreaction by the NFL making a mountain of a molehill that totally, this is all they're doing this for is to just the PR image. Like to say, hey, we're all over our players. We're making sure we have great guys. If you watch the video, which was on TMZ of Ezekiel, where was he? The Daisy, what was it? Coca, what was the name of the festival? I don't know. Electric Daisy Carnival in Las Vegas. Daisy something carnival. I don't know. I can't even. Something. Okay. In Vegas. Right. Some some music festival. So he's out there. The first problem I have with the video is that somebody is just following him around from about 30 yards away. So he doesn't know it. And they're just kind of taping him. It's TMZ, dude. I don't, but I, I don't think it was an, see, I, I think they sold it to TMZ right, or they right, gave him right, the right, video. Right. I think it was just somebody you. like, here he is. And maybe he was drunk. Maybe whatever the case was, he was just kind of walking around and then he gets into it with the security guard. I can't even say get into it because the guy probably said something. And then Zeke says to him, Hey, if you got something to say, say it to me and goes up to him, barely touches him. And the guy like does this soccer flop, yeah. goes down and then he gets cuffed, which again, if he's, if he's inebriated, if he's if he's drunk in public, and the cops just they didn't arrest him. Right. If they just want to get him removed, and they say, "Hey, we're gonna put some cuffs on and get him out of there. Let's just get him, remove him." But the NFL is just making this a bigger deal. And I get he's had issues. I get he's been suspended by the league before. But this is just 
throwing gasoline on yeah, a fire, dude. which doesn't need it. You there, can put this out easily by just ignoring it. There are things that you need to review and dig deeper into, and there are things you don't. You got to use your common sense if you're the league. This, this, there is no review necessary. Um, but the bigger problem for me is, is Zeke. Uh, and I don't think he did anything egregiously wrong. Like, right. clearly, you know, there are no charges or anything like that. But my man, like, you got to just be smarter than that, right? right? If the security guard, he's looking to provoke you and get some kind of reaction out of you, just walk away, man. Like, you, you're walking around, you know, you got your girl with you. Yep. There's very little clothing on. You're at a music festival. Life is good. Keep it moving, man. <laughs> don't engage with, with Buddy over something silly like that. It's just you got to be smarter than that if you're him. That Those three words, keep it moving. Keep it moving. Could keep so many guys out of trouble. Because think about how many times somebody says something, you're at a bar, it's late at night, some guy tries you. Yep. And you turn around and you you look or you do something where if you just kept it moving, oh, there would be no issue. But you get egos involved. I get he's 23. He's a young dude. But sometimes you just got to keep it moving. Would have saved me a whole lot of trouble. <laughs> right. Everybody. Yeah. All of us. And it, obviously, it's easier. We're at a different point in our lives. Right. We've been through, We've made a lot of these mistakes that are foolish. But just keep it moving and your life would be so much easier. It's right. just not worth it. Like I get ego. You don't want somebody to show you. You don't want to give, get away with it. Who cares? There is nothing good that can come from you turning around talking about security. Absolutely nothing. 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 It's something silly. You are, it registers as something stupid. Otherwise you don't turn around. Like you got to be like, man, God, this is, there's nothing. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And I, I applaud his girl because his girl looked like yeah. she was trying to like. Yeah, diffuse you know, it. Yeah, but he wasn't happy. Keep it moving, brother. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. So, <laughs> one of the uh one of your favorite things to do is coach your kids. One of yes. my favorite things to do is hang with my kids. Least that favorite thing to do. I don't like coaching them. You don't? I only did it out of necessity. I I love them. I would much rather sit and watch them play. It is a lot of work. But it is a, and it affects the relationship. Like yeah. I I've recently I sat on the bench this weekend. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I sat as the as the assistant coach and just helped with the subs and I'll talk to the head coach. Yeah. I didn't want I said, to I said, I should clarify that cuz I love I actually don't coach my daughter in golf. Yeah. I caddy for her. Yeah. So I help her on the course, but I don't coach her swing. So right, right. I caddy for her. So mm -hmm. she had her tour championship this weekend. Uh, it's her last one in her age division. It's yeah. a big tournament for her. She was challenging the number one girl who's one of the best golfers in the country. Yeah. And they have a little rivalry going of sorts. Sometimes, you know, they never, they're not rude to each other, but you can tell like Snarky, sometimes there's a little, yeah, there's a little animosity between yeah. the two. Good. So my daughter got off to a little bit of a rough start. She found herself four shots behind her uh -huh. about the fourth, fifth hole. Okay. Fifth hole through five holes. So then she goes, no, it's through four holes. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, she goes birdie, eagle, birdie. Oh, on earth. Close the lead in Root. three holes, yeah. right? So she's fired up. I'm fired up. I'm like, yeah, yeah you, I'm like, you can do this safe. But she was, I was trying to what calm is, her down. Sorry, sorry, I'm sorry, like, sorry, breathe. I, sorry. Hold yeah. on. What does she do? What's her celebration? She's on got a little fist pump. Oh, what about the eagle? Fist pump. The eagle. That same. one show. She actually hit a eight iron to about two feet. Yeah. She had like 140, and it was tapping. So yeah. it wasn't any celebration. It was like a done deal. Okay. So she ties up the score. We're going to the eighth hole. We step up to the PT box, and I tell her. uh was there a club we had played once before? I forgot there was water on the left. Mm. And she's like, isn't there water? I said, no, don't worry about it. Just Because there wasn't. If she would hit it correctly, she wouldn't have had to worry about the water. It, so I'm like, don't worry about the water. Hits it in the water. So then the guy, the other dad, he's like, yeah, that's in the water. And I was like, you could have said something, first of all. Right, 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 so right, was, right. Was, but that was not an issue. So the girl hits hers in the water, too. Oh. So they're both in the water. They're both playing from the same spot. I thought there was a chance she could have cleared the lake. And yep. the reason you couldn't see the water is because it was all over this hill. Right. So the lake's like down this hill. 
So we go to the top of the hill where I was going to take the drop from because it's flat land. We go, set up the cart, go around. I'm looking across the lake. I get to the other side of the lake. It's like a little lake. And I'm coming back. And all of a sudden, I hear the other little girl go, oh, no, there go the clubs. The cart starts rolling. Oh. It's not. It's a push cart, not yeah. a golf cart. Right, right, right. A push cart rolls down the hill into the water. Your car, your so, cart. Yeah, so the other girl and her dad were kind of there. You didn't grab the cart? Like you didn't, they didn't make an effort to grab it? I don't know how hard the effort was, but they watched it go in. I'm sprinting around. Yes. It goes in. It's a little bit. He's sitting there looking at it, like trying to get it, but not really trying to get yeah. it. I come in, take off my shoes. Not diving, but I had to go in. It was like my shorts were yeah. wet. Wow. It gets deep fast, so I tug him out. Yep. Get him up to the top of the hill. We're going to take our drop. And I'm telling you, her bag was half full with water. Uh, Total grips, everything in there. My phone was in the bag. It was soaking wet. We get to the top of the hill, dump it out. And I was trying, like, I was like, and I was actually, I told her after, I was like, this is the most proud I've been of you. She ended up double bogeying that hole. Yep. And then on the last hole, she had like a major collapse and it was like a meltdown. Like she was this sobbing. Why she she's always finish. firing you. Yeah. <laughs> why? Like, How did you even get back on the bag? You forgot, you forgot about a lake. How did forget the lake? You had no. one job. You have one oh, job. Uh, Patty's got one job is to know the course. <laughs> so yeah, that is a very Call valid a point to make. Maybe I should be fired. <laughs> the other girl had played a practice round out there and like right. gotten all she had notes on the stuff. I'm she sitting there maybe there's a lake. Isn't there water over there? And <laughs> she said, did. I was like, don't worry about it, because I don't want her to think about it. So she actually she ended up second on the tour. She yeah. ended up losing. But I told her after, I was like, I'm so proud of you because a lot of girls would have quit. Yeah. Like a lot of girls would have cried. A lot of competitors would have just been like, I can't finish the club. They were soaking wet. Like it was just a disaster to finish through. So that was, that was my weekend. Oh, man, but we- like the rest of the weekend, I was trying to tell her how proud I was of her. Sure. You know, I really up. was. Like honestly guilty. was. And you felt guilty. Yeah. For not yeah. telling her where the um, water was there. You should have had a camera crew following you. That's way more exciting than what happened to me. <laughs> it was, and it was kind great. of by like the big clubhouse and there were oh, a lot dude. of people outside. They're watching me swim to get these clubs like in there. Make of caddy shack. <laughs> it like. was the umbrella. We have an umbrella set up for shade mm-hmm. and the umbrella had tipped upside down. So I was trying to pull it. It was, it was, it was the water. Water, water. Yeah, it was, so it was, it was heavy. I, I couldn't get it out. out of the water. I thought I was going to lose the clubs that's in the bottom of the lake, but I ended up getting them out. All right, let's move on to us. That's pretty cool, stuff. though. Like that's second on the tour. That's pretty. That's yeah, pretty no, cool. it was cool. It was cool. So she's uh, she's coming along nicely. All right, you know who else is coming along nicely? <laughs> R.J. Hampton, uh-huh. five star senior guard, uh, was a lot of offers. Fifth in the country, I think he was by our twenty four seven Sports ranked. Uh, has decided to bypass college. And not go to China, mm-hmm. not go to the G League, which are some options that are out there. He's going to play in New Zealand for the New Zealand Breakers of the NBL. Uh, his father's now said he could have, he had offers of a million dollars to play in China. Yeah. But he said he liked the quality of play here better. We were just saying about, you know, hey, if you're Giannis and you're going to take a hundred million dollars difference. He's only going to probably make it like 75, 80 grand to play in this league. He's going to pass up a million to play in China. And he said he wanted to do it because it was a country where they speak English, which I get makes some sense. But a lot of people speak English in China, too. Yeah, this doesn't make sense to me. Um, I'm all for kids exploring their options. Absolutely. They they know they don't want to go to college. Absolutely. Totally agree. But if you're going to go to the and I don't mean to throw any shade at the NBL. Right. But I don't know that it's considerably better than the G League. 
right? Right. And the, you want an American, you want a U.S. speaking, right. uh, U.S. an uh, English speaking country. Right. You got one. <laughs> right. Living it. Right. Um, and they're not making substantially more money than he would in the G League. Like the G League's not making a lot of money, but the NBL, they're making, I don't know, like sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000. So if you were going to explore playing pro, why not go to China or to Spain somewhere like that and cash in on, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, which makes, which makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, if you're just going to go, uh, uh, to play in the pros, I would say just stay and play in the G League. Like, it, uh, if you were telling me I was going to make a couple million dollars because I can't make it right away and I don't care about school. Right. And go make the million dollars and then that makes more sense. The one X factor, I was kind of like we're talking about Giannis again, is a shoe company. Maybe they give him a million bucks. Maybe they give him some money, but. Yeah, but I don't, again, I don't think it would be that much again, different if he's in the G League or wherever he's playing. You're, you're playing, if they can give you a million dollars in China, you're talking about Peak or Anto or, 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 uh, Lightning or all of those companies. Those are all Chinese, like, shoe companies that pay people a lot of money, uh, to wear their stuff. You were gonna get a nice shoe deal over there too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know what I wish I had done in college or at that age was like study abroad. So I'm yeah. kind of down with it, but I would have gone like Italy or somewhere cool to play hoops. Yeah, cool. You know, had that Australia, chance. Australia's supposed to be pretty Yeah, cool. yeah, New Zealand. But, but, uh, and New Zealand, like, you'll play a lot of, there's decent basketball. I'm just saying, like, if you you wanted like stay in the states. Yep, and it's a great league. The competition right. is just as good. The G League right. is good. Tomorrow, I'm going to get on Brew McCoy. We got to break that down. Transfers are out of control.